Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family. They're a membership-based online shopping club offering thousands of the best-selling organic foods and natural products in everyday sizes, and they sell for up to 50% off retail prices with free and fast nationwide home delivery. This is really cool. For every paid membership, Thrive Market donates a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, or military. For a limited time, Paleo Hacks is doing an exclusive offer with Thrive Market. So you can go over to thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks and register to win a $1,000 shopping spree. That's $1,000 of free stuff you can win. That's a grand prize. We're also giving away 10 second prize winners that get one year free membership. And because we love all of you equally, as a bonus, every new member who registers through thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks is going to receive 25% off their first purchase. All right, time for today's show. Paleo Hackers, how you doing today? Welcome back. Another episode of the Paleo Hacks podcast brought to you by paleohacks.com. Head on over there, check out the form, recipes, community we got. I'm your host, Clark, and with me on the other end is our integrative health practitioner, owner of holisticwellness.ca, self-proclaimed qualitarian, back with us, Samantha Gladish. There she is. How you doing? Awesome. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, this is a uh, third time, right? Yes, it's great to be here. Round three. How's the bangle doing? <laughs> He's great. He's sleeping right now, thank God. Samantha has a bangle cat, which is, what are they? They're like a hybrid? Yeah, he's he's part Asian leopard and like part domestic cat. I mean, really, he's like all Asian leopard to me because he's just freaking crazy. <laughs> I, I was watching like a little video a while back on them, like Animal Planet put it together and they they breed them with a wild cat and then they have a really high energy and high need and so you have to be a really active cat owner that's what they kept saying it's so true i mean i i often joke that i would i'd be better off having a baby because like at least i could like put the baby in a crib and like maybe have some time but like the cat is just so busy he's so wild he's uh he's really loud he yeah. knows so open doors and turn on lights and he just he does everything and it's crazy how long do they live for um i'm not sure but i mean i know i've had cats my whole life so average lifespan for I mean, most of the domestic cats that i have had have been about like 16 to 18 years oh yeah it's commitment so, yeah it is. and i like love him to pieces so i don't even want to think about that except when you're old you'll still be taking care of him <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway, so this is round three. I'm not sure I remember your story and kind of your journey into health and wellness. I don't think we've ever really gone over it on the show before, or I could be missing it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. So uh, I don't know, even know how far back <laughs> yeah. you'd like me to go, but there's definitely some interesting stories there. Okay. Well, you could just start um, then just like your first experience into eating healthy? Like, did you start in the standard American diet and transition in or did you grow up in a healthy family? Uh, what was kind of your entryway into what you're doing now? So, I mean, I've always really been 
interested in food and nutrition and like health and fitness, even from a little girl. I uh, I was really lucky to have, you know, a family that, uh, so my mom's Portuguese. And so we have like, you know, my mom's side's like lots of uncles and just this big Portuguese family. My dad, he's just, uh, he's through and through Canadian, you know, born and raised in Toronto. And so um, I was just really lucky as a young girl that I had um, a lot of really good quality food around me. Like my grandparents had their own garden and everything came from the garden. And I just loved being in the garden and eating just like real food. And it's this interesting dynamic because my dad being so Canadian and my mom being European, when they first met, um, my dad introduced my mom to a burger for the first time when she was like 19. <laughs> and then my mom introduced my dad for the first time um, to like seafood and stuff like that. So it was just really interesting. And so my dad would always be the one that would want to bring home like the junk type of food and my mom just like cringed at it like <laughs> any type of packaged food or yeah. anything like that she just hated it she was like no I could just make this from scratch so I was really lucky that I grew up in this household where um not that necessarily it was like super healthy but it was there was definitely a focus on like homemade and nothing needed to come out of a box um right yeah like we didn't really focus on you know organic or anything like that, you know, going back 30 something years ago, like that, that wasn't something that was, that wasn't a popular topic the way that it is now. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so I was lucky that I grew up just eating really, really well, but of course, as you become a teenager, those habits kind of die hard and (laughs) you want to eat what your friends are eating or, or even, you know, when you're, um, in elementary school and you see like kids bringing these like Lunchables to school. Yeah. I remember those, the pizza ones. (laughs) Right. And you want what the kids are eating, right? What your friends are eating. And so I remember even asking my mom to like buy me those and she'd be like, Oh, you're crazy. Like who eats this junk? Right. So, and then then your friend would ask for one of the pizzas, but you only (laughs) had three. And that's how you knew if you really had a good friend, if he'd give you one of the three pizzas. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good way to look at it that's the guy you want in your trenches <laughs> but, well, so the uh, lunchables and you brought them to school and and you you kind of started eating what your friends were doing and then yeah absolutely I started to sort of um especially as I got older like in my teenage uh, years I started to kind of just eat what I wanted to eat and I had more freedom over like you know going out with friends and eating fast food and things like that so I started to have a lot of issues around like my cycle and hormones and um and so I would often like read different like magazines or health publications and then like sort of learn how, you know, food is playing a role on your body and and how it's developing your body and it's, and it helps with hormone development. And so I just kind of had this early introduction to, to how food can impact your body. And so, um, and I was really lucky too, that as I got older and got into university, I was, I spent a lot of time with people who were like interested in Chinese medicine and acupuncture and, and organic food. And so they started to influence me a lot. And then I started to read every single piece of information I possibly could and then wanted to go to school and study it. And, uh, yeah, now it's really become a way of life. And so right after school, you launched in full time to kind of blogging about it and and distributing the information you were reading and everything? Well, I actually, it's interesting. I actually went 
during university, I studied, I did a specialist in religion, which was mm. really interesting because I got to study like Japanese culture and Buddhism and Chinese culture. And it was really yeah. interesting. And then, um, and so I did a specialist in religion and a minor in English. Um, even though the whole time I was at school, I knew I really wanted to study nutrition. So it was actually after I graduated and got my BA that I went to study uh, at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition mm. and then and then sort of dived into it full okay. force. Okay, yeah. cool. And now in your in your practice um, with holistic wellness, is that what you call what you're doing right now? Yes, it That's is. Well, that's the name of my site. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so explain what being a qualitarian is all about. <laughs> so qualitarian just sort of came to me one day when I was, I was literally in my kitchen and just speaking with my boyfriend. And, uh, you know, I, I have so many people that say to me or they assume that I'm either a vegan or I'm paleo or, um, you know, they just assume, or I'm like a raw foodie and they just assume that these are the type of diets I follow because I'm a nutritionist. Um, and so the way I see it is that I follow all of those diets. What matters to me at the end of the day is quality. Mm. So then it's just like, I'm a qualitarian. And so the, the the word just kind of came out and I'm just going with it ever since. Okay. And then, uh, so how do you spread the qualitarianism? Is, is that the mission behind holistic wellness is to kind of say, hey, let's just ditch the labels. Let's eat the actual food that's going to work. Let's get your hormones right. All, all that kind of stuff. Is that the mission behind holistic wellness? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it really is all about quality food. I mean, regardless of the labels, whether you're vegan or vegetarian or paleo, whatever it is, it's just about choosing the best quality food, sourcing out the best quality food in your area as well and what's seasonal to you. And um, I mean, it even goes beyond just food, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about like quality sleep and quality relationships and just really living a quality life. Okay. And so if you had to give someone like a, a three by five note card with <laughs> 10 bullets on it of what the qualitarian diet is or the lifestyle, yeah. what would be like the main things you would put on that note card? Ooh, that's a great question. So uh, I would say a qualitarian eats lots of green vegetables <laughs> um, to source out High quality pasture uh, pasture raised grass fed meats. Mm. Um, drink lots of water. That's that's a big one. And quality water. I think spring water is probably one of one of the better um, yeah. options. Uh, get quality sleep. That's really important. Um, managing stress levels. Um, so you know, finding some downtime uh, and moving your body. That's that's really important too. Um, it doesn't have to be this like crazy hardcore type of exercise. It's just about moving, like doing natural movement that feels good to you. If it means walking every day, then go for a walk. It means doing yoga, great. If it means doing crazy squats and deadlifts, which I do love, <laughs> then then go for it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I I see the uh, the qualitarian lifestyle and you know someone might say oh that's basic I've heard that all before but to that person it, those are the exact people I see obsessing over one of those kind of pillars of health you know if if you want to go with that like the nutrition the sleep the lifestyle the exercise the diet like they obsess over diet let's take that and they put all their energy into diet, 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 diet. And then you start peeling back the layers and you say, well, how much are you moving? 
Well, how stressed are you? Well, how much are you sleeping? And all these other problems become apparent. So uh, uh, it's like they're, it's like in some things you need to spread yourself kind of thin. And uh, with the lifestyle, you you do kind of have to manage all these different aspects of it. You can't just focus on one thing and say, this is it. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, oftentimes, even with my clients, um, when we talk about stress and they tell me how they have so much stress in their lives and I, you know, essentially at the end of the day, the best way to manage your stress is that, well, one of two ways. You can either eliminate the stressor, which isn't always easy, but you also have to manage your reactions to stress. Right. And so people don't want to hear that. And they're just like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. What's the supplement I can take? Right. And I'm like, okay, but you're missing the bigger picture here. So yeah, I mean, these might sound so fundamental and and easy to implement but at the end of the day like how much of it are we actually doing yeah that's that's a good point too it's kind of in the eye of the beholder i was just reading about jk rowling you know the harry potter author um Mm -hmm. and she wrote those when she was 32 divorced newly single mom like i mean had probably no time probably didn't know what to do she was an english teacher she probably had no money she probably didn't know what to do I'm I'm adding lib here because I don't really know her full story. Right. But that excuse of like, I don't have any time. I'm so stressed. It's, it, there's been examples of people who have had it a lot, a lot more uh, limitations that have done a lot more than than me, even though I use that excuse of like, I'm so stressed. And uh, right. yeah, that's right. kind of busy. Yeah. Yeah. So then with your clients, uh, what are kind of some of the most common problems or uh, myths or any, anything you're seeing every day that uh, appears in all of them? Um, I mean, there's always this sort of eat less, move more approach. That's sort of a common one. I have a lot of, uh, so I do, I specialize in weight loss and I do a lot of young women's hormonal health. And so, uh, it's just a bunch of different things sort of across the board. Definitely sort of the eat less and move more thing where I have these women that are really calorie deprived and then like exercising like crazy right. um, because they think that's the approach to losing weight. Um, I also have a lot of women who have come to me with these like meal plans that consist of like five or six or seven meals all day long. And basically they're eating like all the time. Plus they're also incorporating like a really hardcore uh, workout regimen. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just that that type of approach doesn't really work for everybody. So um, I don't agree with eating, you know, five or six or even seven small mini meals all day long. Mm. Um, all of my weight loss clients, they eat three meals a day. Like it's it's simple. Mm-hmm. There's not this like crazy amounts of meal prep. It's your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner. Okay. <laughs> Um, so assuming then, let's just to get some assumptions out that the person listening to this is eating the right diet or they're eating the vegetables, they're eating the qualitarian diet, they're getting sleep, movement, water, all that stuff is all good and dandy. Then how do you go about weight loss with that person? So um, of course, it's so individualized, right? Um, the program that I run is a really comprehensive program. I actually, so we do blood work and we look at um, about 35 different labs testing for like inflammation and 
uh, liver detoxification and enzymes and a whole bunch of things. Is that the um, metabolic balance one you yeah. were talking about last time? Yeah. So it really, yeah. I mean, it's like a scientifically proven program with over a million people who have had incredible results. Um, so that's the program that I implement with my clients. And it works phenomenally for people who have a lot of like insulin resistance and blood sugar irregularities or women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, I mean, going back to your question, I mean, it, it really is individualized. So what I would do for that person is, well, first I would start them off with like doing all the blood work. Um, and then basically it's based on their blood work is how a meal plan is developed. So sometimes hmm. yes, portion sizes do matter. I mean, and it, it's all based on your weight, right? So everyone is going to eat different amounts of food and, um, even different types of food. If someone is struggling with a lot of inflammation, then we might have to eliminate something that looks healthy, like tomatoes, for example, but it can actually aggravate inflammation for that specific person. Or maybe someone is having issues with liver detoxification. So we want to increase more like bitter leafy greens that are going to help support the liver. Yeah. So it really isn't just sort of like a cookie cutter approach, but it really is about taking the person, you know, as a whole how do you, how do you tell meal frequency based on blood lab work? Like what, what's the optimal meal frequency for someone based on their labs? Well, it, it's the blood, um, the blood work doesn't determine how many meals they eat. Everybody eats three meals a day. Okay. And, and the reason that is, is because, so your meals are actually spaced out five hours apart. And, um, the reason that is, is because basically every three hours we end up burning through glycogen. So like your stored sugar. And then if you can go an additional two hours and hit that five hour mark, you actually start to burn adipose tissue. So fat. Mm. So that five hour mark is really a sweet spot. Um, I even remember reading in, um, Dr. Sarah Godfrey's, her recent book, the hormone reset. I think she's got a chapter in there as she talks about blood sugar and I was so happy to see that she spoke about how we should be able to go four to six hours between our meals without feeling like this crazy person that needs to reach for food. Right. Okay. So, so reiterate what you just said. So if you go five hours without eating, that kind of would simulate somewhat of a a fasting state and you can tap into your fat stores and use that instead of just using the the fuel over and over and over again? Correct. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So typically we're just burning through the stored glycogen when we're eating every two to three hours. And then Mm. if we go the additional two, yes, you can burn the the fat tissue. I've heard people argue uh, not in the holistic health sphere but more from the mainstream that it doesn't really matter the meal frequency because or for 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 fat loss rather because it's like they use the analogy of a fire and if you add one big log that takes 12 hours to burn through the log being the meal and then when it's gone you burn your fat um it's the same thing as if you add three batches of kindling that burn up faster but burn for four hours at a time. And so is, is the body working like that or is what you're talking about kind of disprove that whole kindling log complicated analogy? (laughs) No, I mean, 
there's so many different approaches, right? Like I, I don't think that if you are someone that is currently eating like five or six meals a day, um, and following that type of sort of fat loss program, those absolutely work. But I definitely find that the the women that I'm working with, they have at least over 30 to 40 plus pounds to lose. So that type of approach works so much better because there happens to be so many more blood sugar irregularities. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with PCOS, because it's also like there's so many issues around blood sugar. So um, putting them on three meals a day really helps to manage that that blood sugar better. It's also more of a mental thing, too, like with uh, weight loss and the meal frequency can just be overwhelming if you're trying to cram in seven meals. That's a lot harder to do. Absolutely. And and I just want to like mention too that I'm really speaking more specifically for people who do have like 30, 40, even 50 plus pounds to lose. That type of approach works really, really well. But I mean, for, you know, someone who's like a hardcore athlete, I mean, that's different. They can eat more meals throughout the day, right? And they can be fueling their body um, more throughout the day and their body can better handle that without really worrying about sort of the fat storage. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember back in the day when I was trying to do uh, like competitive fitness modeling and it just, I, I never competed. It drove me crazy. It was the seven right. meals a day and I just couldn't do it. And then I'd miss one meal and feel like a total failure. And a three meals is so much easier to win than yes. seven or eight meals. <laughs> yes, it, it totally is. And I mean, I came from that approach too, where I was eating all the time and I, I was told I needed to eat every two to three hours. Um, and so I made that switch to just going, you know, five hours and eating just three meals a day. And it's really quite liberating. Like I can actually go out in my day and like run errands and not have to be like this crazy maniac about having all this food with me and feeling like I need to Take eat. Take out your Tupperware, eat your yes. chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned blood sugar is another benefit of uh, not eating every two to three hours. Kind of go into that a little more. Yeah. Well, I mean, typically if we're eating all of the time, we're producing insulin more and more and more and more. So, um, and especially if you're eating a lot of the wrong foods and a lot of more carbohydrate dense foods, then um, for sure you're going to be producing, uh, you know, more insulin. So I think that the approach, sorry, I lost, I, what was the question again? <laughs> Just the approach with blood sugar in the two to three hours. And, and for those of those people listening, insulin, um, kind of really quick touch on, give us a spark note version of like what insulin does with fat storage. Yeah. So, I mean, basically it's like the, um, it's a hormone that sort of takes the sugar and brings it into your cells. And then, you know, the sugar sort of gets stored away and then you can utilize that sugar later as like for an energy source essentially. Right. But when we're eating all of the time, we're constantly, the sugar has to sort of in in a way it gets stimulated. It goes, takes the food, brings it to the cell and has to do that over and over and over and over again. And if you're eating all of the time and eating a lot of the wrong foods, you essentially end up sort of exhausting that process. Mm. And the cells will kind of close their door and say, no, like we have too much sugar in here. We don't need you anymore. So now the insulin's like, okay, well, what do I do with the sugar? So it ends up, you know, you get these blood sugar roller coasters that people are experiencing all the time throughout the day, right? Yeah. And, um, so we want to we want to manage that. And we don't want to like constantly exhaust our insulin from overworking all the time. And so one of the most effective ways to do that is to eat three meals a day. Okay. Okay. And then with the excess sugar and the excess insulin, um, that gets shuttled off into fat stores or so the theory goes. 
Typically, yeah. And even sometimes with like excess cortisol too, like those are fat storing hormones. Hmm. And so typically um, they like to hang out in the belly area. And um, when you're overproducing cortisol or even if you're overproducing insulin, typically what ha- ends up happening is, yeah, you end up, um, end up storing more fat and putting putting on more weight. So that's how stress makes you fat is the cortisol acts as if it's ex- excess insulin has a sa- similar response and what you're eating, it stores it there? Yeah, I mean, typically, sometimes they kind of go hand in hand. If you have excess cortisol, you will sometimes have excess insulin as well and vice versa. So Mm. those hormones, essentially, like in a way, they like get together and they're like, well, (laughs) uh, what are we going to do with all of this like excess that we have? Um, Conspire. Yeah. (laughs) So and then they end up uh, the the number one spot and area they go to is is in the belly area. And it's kind of like a protective mechanism too, right? Because there's like essentially this like inflammation that is now starting to ensue and like this stress that is going on in the body and the body now feels like, okay, I need to protect myself. Something is going on here. It's out of balance. So we let's let's put on this layer of fat as a protection. Mm, yeah. And then um, the blood sugar can have a really big effect on people's moods and they get (laughs) cranky or hangry as some people call it. Yes. So isn't that a theory behind eating every two to three hours is that it stabilizes your blood sugar and it prevents you from getting hangry. Um, And then someone would look at, you know, three meals a day and say, oh, well, that's going to spike my blood sugar even more and make me more crabby. So how does that work? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because don't get me wrong, when you first start going from like five or six meals a day to three, yeah, you're not going to probably be the happiest person. Like it's going to take some time to really get used to that for sure. Um, But, you know, I work, the results sort of speak for themselves. I work with a lot of clients who are actually diabetics and they are on insulin um, or they're on like diabetic medication Plus, they have like, you know, the high cholesterol and the the high blood pressure. And within, you know, seven days of being on the program, they their blood sugar has reduced. And the, I get calls from their doctors that are like, what are you doing? This is phenomenal. I've never I've never seen this before. So I actually think we end up doing a real disservice to our bodies if we're telling everyone, yeah, you have to eat all the time to manage the blood sugar. Well, no, you're eating all the time because you're just hungry and you're not managing the blood sugar. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite incredible when you have diabetics that actually get off their medication. Um, yeah, just from food alone. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I have a really great story on, on my website and a great before and after of one of my clients. I mean, I have tons of before and afters. I have to actually get up there and post them. What did she do? (laughs) Um, well, she's um, she has lost close to sixty pounds since um, January, hmm. and um, she normalized her blood pressure, and she got off blood pressure medication, and she is down to one diabetic medication from like three. Wow! And before yeah. that, had she been trying to lose a lot of weight? Oh, yes, she was definitely, um, she was struggling for a really long time. And, you know, even her backstory, which I don't think I shared much about on my website, but it's just an interesting, like, powerful story of a woman who, like, she happened to get in, like, two car accidents and, you know, a span of a few years. Her body started to just, like, really break down on her. The doctor was like, 
putting her on so many medications and antidepressants. And then because of all the medications, she started to gain a lot of weight and, you know, went through like this big divorce and then a single mother of two. And then now she's just like really taking control of her life. You know, she's losing the weight off her medications and she's just like, she's a new person. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges with weight loss and, um, I know a lot of women struggle with their weight. Uh, I have close family members. It is just that being so defeated by previous times, you've tried to lose the weight. And then you come back and you try it again. You get motivated. Maybe New Year's comes around or maybe a new book and you get motivated again and then it just doesn't work. And uh, so what's your tips then on um, if someone maybe has tried to lose 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 pounds Mm -hmm. before... And they feel like they're doing the right stuff, but it's just not working. What, 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 speak to that person. So, I mean, that's a great question because I think that so often people have these um, short-term goals of like, oh, I have a wedding coming up. I need to lose weight. Or I'm going to the beach and I need to lose weight. And so they don't really have this deep sort of like soul-quenching, life-changing goal that's really going to change everything for them, right? So for example, um, the one client I was just speaking about, like her big goal is to get off of medication. She doesn't want to be like ruled by like the pharmaceutical industry. She feels so controlled by them. And she also has two daughters and wants to be, you know, this leading example for them. And like that's that's a powerful clear vision, right? So a lot of people just come to me and they're just like, oh yeah, I just want to, you know, I just need to lose some weight. Like I got my wedding coming up or we're going to a beach in a few months. And I'm just like, well, then what? You go to the beach and then you just gorge and gain it all back. Like this is about lifestyle. So I often tell people that, you know, let's talk about the predictability of your health versus the possibility And like, let's really look at that. So the predictability is while you can just stay the same and be miserable and feel shamed and, you know, not want to look in the mirror every day and not want to build these amazing relationships in your life because you're so conscious of how you look and, you know, you're hiding in the kitchen and binging on food. Like that's predictable and more weight coming on and more medication, right? That's the predictable health versus let's look at what's really possible for Mm -hmm. your life and, you know, that's having the weight come off and feeling more confident and, you know, being this, this motivator and in, inspiring others in your life. And, you know, so it's just, I think the predictability versus the possibility, that's really something that people should, should really look at. Yeah, that's really, that's really powerful because I think a lot of times people have a hard time envisioning the future better than it is. And when you're able to kind of visualize yourself with 30 pounds off right. in the future, it's able to, you're able to really match the actions in the present. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I think people should really ask themselves, like, what does losing the weight mean, you know, mean for me? Like, what can that actually do for me? How will my life change when the weight is off? Yeah. You know, list out all of those things that you really feel will change, like better relationships, you know, more energy, better, better shopping, like what, whatever it is, big or small, like list it all out so you can just have some clarity. Yeah. Yeah. That's really a good takeaway. I I was reading a study on um, people and saving money and, you know, I think the average saving rate in America is like 2%. It's, it's 2% (laughs) to negative 1%. 
percent of their income so people actually lose money or they save maybe two percent and they had these people go into some sort of uh lab and they showed them a picture of themselves and they're like okay how much of your income would you save and they're like uh you know estimated 10 20 percent and they showed them themselves in uh 70 years and they said how much income will you save and then it shot up you know because so when we see ourselves later on Right. We're willing to do more in the present because we're like, oh, dang, we're actually going to be that person one day. I better right. start doing it now. But we just have a hard time envisioning ourselves later on and getting out of the present. And so maybe right. what you're saying is like, instead of visioning yourself being old with the income scenario, envision <laughs> right. yourself being skinny with the weight <laughs> loss scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I always say to you that, it's not what you're doing, but it's how you're being. And um, so, you know, the doing part is the easy part. Like you can, sure, you can go and do the meal prep and you can, you know, get organized and, and you know, get everything ready that you need for, for, your, uh, for your meal plan and like, you know, do, do, do all that, you know, get the water and get your nice water jug, whatever, whatever it may be, right? But it's the being that really matters. So if you want to have success with your program, well, you need to literally like exude success. You need to be success. You know, it's not about being confident in the future. It's about being confident now. So whatever it is you want and envision for yourself in the future, you just need to start being that person now. Because hmm. like being a, a lazy person, being overwhelmed and, and being, you know, like panicky and having this anxiety over changing your diet. Well, that's not the type of person that you need to be to achieve the results that you need to get. So how can you switch that and really be the person that is going to achieve those results? Well, not to go woo woo, but your, your worldview really determines how you live. And so if you're the kind of person who has the limiting belief of money is evil, I'm not supposed to have any. Right. You're going to live your life like a broke person with no money. But if you envision yourself as someone who says, you know, money is a tool of exchange and resource energy, you're going to yes. start saving money. You're going to start investing. You're going to start doing what wealthy people do. Absolutely. And so with weight loss, I think what I'm hearing from you is if you envision yourself as like a fat person or overweight or this is the way it is. Yes. You're going to keep acting like that. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So you need to change your way of being okay. like it's, it's really important. And, you know, even like I coach a lot of, um, I do a lot of business coaching on the side as well, um, for like other nutritionists and people in the holistic health space. And it's the same thing with them too, right? It's like you, like, it's not what you're doing. The doing is easy. You can go online and send the emails and, you know, run your ads, whatever you want to do. But who do you need to be in order to have a successful business? That's the person you need to be, right? So it's it's with everything that you do in your life, weight loss, business, whatever it might be. That's funny. I was just journaling on that the other day. Like it's not about the knowledge. It's not about the best idea. It's about the execution. And, you know, ever had a Snuggie ad come on and you slap yourself in the head and you're like, I could have created that. That's just a sheet <laughs> with two arms. Are you kidding me? They're, that's a million dollar idea. I had that idea, but you didn't have the execution. And that's why they're making the late night infomercial with the remote and the Snuggie and you're not. And they're making millions because they executed on it. Totally. Totally. Yes. And I think too is like, you know, like integrity is a really big, um, 
is a really big part of this. You can't get so, a Snuggie image out of your head, can you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go search that up now after we get off. Um, it was good. Yeah. The old ones were better. <laughs> the quality started slipping. I've owned five in my lifetime. You've owned five? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got to get all the matching colors. That's awesome. <laughs> the zebra one. That's so cute. Actually, actually, the other day, I have it right here. Not to derail this totally, but um, I was at Ross and they had a, a leopard selfie stick right here. And it was like three bucks. And I'm like, you know what? I go, I go pro. I need to take selfies. So. I, I never took you as a leopard front guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it matches your bangle. Maybe I should send it to you. Yeah, that's totally my bangle right there. Awesome. It's fun though, and and I I think to go back to what we were talking about with the identity and like execution and following through, it all ties in like your whole life. It's it's kind of the old personal development saying, "How you do anything is how you do everything." Absolutely, yes, yes. I think it's just really important to have a really clear vision of what you want your future to be like, to look like, and and you need to start being that now. It, you know, it's not about waiting until you have the weight off. Um, to get all the things that you want. You can, you can do all of that now. You just need to be in the right mindset and belief um, <clears throat> to, to get there. So you think a lot of people have that kind of one day approach? Like one day I'll be healthy and fit and lose the weight? Oh, totally. Totally. And, you know, I hear it from so many of the girls that I work with too. Like, um, especially with like dating, they're just like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll meet that perfect guy when I lose the 30 pounds, you know, or I'll get that raise at work when I lose the 30 pounds. Mm. And it's like, no, <laughs> you can get that now, but you need to be the person that can achieve those things. So if you're um, having the self-doubt and you're lacking the confidence, well, of course, you're not going to get those things. So how can we build those things up in you now so that you can believe that you can get it? Okay. And so when someone comes to you with that limiting belief of like, oh, one day or the limiting <laughs> belief of like, oh, my identity is that I'm an overweight person. Um, any other tools outside of kind of projecting in the future and envisioning yourself better than you currently are? Do you have any other tools that you're using to work through clients with these problems that have them stuck? Yeah, I mean, there are so many sort of tools in the box. I mean, I think the biggest one is just like having a deep, honest conversation with a lot of my clients and like really asking them questions that really are uncomfortable and helping them work through that discomfort. Um, I mean, so much of it does come down to really coaching and just, you know, being there to listen and to support somebody. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, you know, something that I have a lot of my clients do, and I was just mentioning this earlier, is that you know, you have to look at your out of integrities. So where in your life are you out of integrity? So this can be big. These can be big things. These can be small things. So for example, are you, um, you know, is your house a complete mess? Well, that's an out of integrity. Are you not having any self-care and eating, you know, fairly well and exercising? Well, that's an out of integrity. Is your car a mess? That's an out of integrity. You don't, you don't have bills, you know, bills that piling up that you need to pay. That's an out of integrity. You know, laundry, like so many yeah. little things can be out of integrity. So take care of the out of integrities first because I guarantee you those are exhausting you. Yeah, that's a really good point. So when we feel like we're not integrated 
or we have integrity in every area, it can leak over and affect everything. Totally, totally. Um, I mean, I know for myself, like, I work from home, you know, run my business literally from my computer. And so my, my house, like it needs to be super clean. Like I actually can't even get on the computer and start my day until I've made my bed. Like, and it's just this routine I have. I need to feel in this clear, um, space. And in order for me to do that and to work from a place of integrity, I need to have like all my shit in order, basically. (laughs) Have you read the Marie method? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, that's like the biggest book right now. Um, my girlfriend showed it to me. It's the magic art of tidying up. Oh, it, great. Yes. Yeah. And yes. She, she named the method after herself. I think her name's Marie Kahn and she named it oh, the Kahn okay. Marie method. I'm like, come on. All right. <laughs> you want a self-portrait life size in your house too? Like, get over that. Oh, that's awesome. But it's going on what you're saying. It's that, you know, the old saying like clutter desk, clutter mind. But it's no. In fact, you carry around so much shit in your home. Yes. It's stressing you out. And so when you simplify your life, yes. you have less things to take care of. And boom. You can you have integrity now because you don't have a messy house because you have less stuff. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, just from a nutrition standpoint, like I'm a nutrition coach. I couldn't I obviously have to have really high self-care. I need to be exercising, you know, drinking yeah. my water, eating really well, taking my supplements, um, you know, all of that that takes that that encompasses self-care. I mean, I have to be on point with that if I want to help others achieve the same thing. So if I'm out of integrity in those areas, I can guarantee you like people aren't going to want to come and work with me. Right. Or you're not going to be very confident in your message. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that energy is going to come through for sure. How do you manage then kind of, um, being easy on yourself? Like it can be exhausting with yourself. (laughs) If you're, if you're the one giving advice, you feel like you have to do everything perfectly because you're the one giving that advice. For sure. So do you have a balance uh, there? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fine balance because I can definitely be like a perfectionist and very type A personality and um, especially with, you know, running a business, it's just like that can be the f- first and biggest thing that I take care of and then sometimes if it gets really, really busy, everything else kind of falls to the side. So I really need to have sort of that like button when I know to like stop and like hit the stop button and be like, okay, like I've done enough today and know that what I've done is enough. And now it's time like for myself. Cause if I don't have me in order and take care of me and make myself a priority, everything else is going to fall apart. And I know that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard. I think people need to, as hard as it can be, they need to learn how to make themselves a priority before they sort of hit that like rock bottom of where everything does start to fall apart. Um, so avoid the rock bottom and start to make yourself a priority and self-care a huge priority because um, everything else will really will really come into, into place. I think too, uh, if I can just add on to what you're saying, like being able to laugh at yourself while still holding yourself to a high standard so you know one extreme is not caring enough about yourself and just eating mcdonald's fast food and and the other is like caring too much where you have to do everything perfectly count your blueberries (laughs) and 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 so like the middle path is what we should always truth is somewhere in the middle it's like the middle path is i think being able to laugh at yourself and absolutely yes that's a really huge point like 
I can't always take myself so seriously. And I have to really understand too that I make mistakes. Um, you know, like I just launched an ebook the other day and uh, I sent the, e the wrong email out on the wrong day. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> it's not like one person got that. It's like thousands of people got that. So it's like you really, um, you do really have to see the beauty and like the mistakes and know that like, um, actually it's Marie Forleo that uses this term that I love. And she says, everything is figure outable. Mm. And yeah, it is. Everything is figure outable, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a good point there. You definitely have to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. And I think it's important too to have, whether it's friends or family or a partner on board that can also recognize when just when to tell you like you need to slow it down, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. or if like health is the biggest thing in your life you're stressing about. That's kind of a, I don't know. I'd almost check your priorities because health's right. important, but there's way more important right. things in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I think I can't remember how the list goes, but it's, it's, um, self care or self and then relationships and then business and then family and friends. And so there's a reason those are in the order that they are. So you can't take care of any of the rest unless your first mm -hmm. priority. Yeah. Um, then your relationship comes second. And often people, when I actually I'll give people this list and I'll tell them to list them in order of importance and relationships, uh, and typically business will come first. Wow. Um, or like is, that, is that before they know the order? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before That's a good tool. Um, but basically, yeah, and then so it's self first and then relationships second because our relationships are way more important than, than our business. Right. And we need a really strong partner in order to have success in our business as well. That's, that's really the way I see it. You really need someone that can understand your vision and your goals and really help you live up to your highest self to achieve what you want in your business. So relationships come before business. Yes, and then it's business and then it's family and friends because when you feel in your business, you're living your passion and living your truth and really being that authentic person, you can bring your best self to your friends and your family. Hmm. So that's typically the order. So I'd be curious if that's how people are actually living. You should maybe ask yourself that if that's sure. the order you would have them in. And swap out business for goal even. Like goal right. is to get healthy. Like you got to have a strong supportive partner or community or someone uh, that, that's backing you there because that's your goal. But always yes. starting in that trickle down. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Sam, our time has come to an end. That's show number three. That was a, that was a fun one. <laughs> That was really, really great. Thank you. Are you working on anything new right now that people can check out? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when you've actually, when this will go live, but, um, probably like I, a month. Oh, okay. Awesome. So I just wrote a, um, even though it will be after the holidays, but I just wrote a healthy holiday dessert ebook. It's very paleo friendly and, um, and you know, sweetness, has a has a place in there all within boundaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just want people to bake up like the best desserts possible, minus all the refined flours and sugars. So I just launched that, and um, was that the ebook that went out to a thousand people? <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> so a thousand people got that early. <laughs> yeah. So I sent like the the email that was supposed to go out on on a Monday. It went out on a Sunday. So it technically like just didn't make sense. Um, but yeah, it all it all worked out. Um, but for all of the listeners, I have a coupon code, uh, podcast. 
specific oh. coupon code, and they can head on over to the site and get ten dollars off of the ebook if they want it. Did you hear oh. that, guys? Yeah. Podcast P O D C A S T <laughs> on the site uh, holisticwellness.ca, correct? Yep, just go to holisticwellness.ca. You can click on the shop page, and um, it'll take you there. What kind of sweets are in there? Oh, like tons of goodness. Like, what's your favorite? Oh my god, the lemon shortbread cookies are amazing. Um, the vanilla almond cake with chocolate frosting. Um, sell it oh to me. Sell it to me. What is that? Picture, <laughs> picture me in my snuggie right now with my leopard <laughs> selfie stick. Like, what? I want that lemon, lemon cake. What's it look like? Um, there's the grain-free pumpkin cupcakes with maple coconut whip. So delicious. Uh, there's lots of great lattes and like decadent smoothies in there. Um, yeah, there's brownies, cakes, cookies, bars. At lots of stuff. So wow. there's over 30 um, paleo-friendly recipes. Inviting you to my holiday party. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I've been posting all the images on social media throughout the month, and like everyone's been drooling. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Podcast exclusive code. Sam, thanks again for coming on. This was a fun one. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Till next time. Yes. Take care. And cut. Nice. Figure outable. <laughs> Everything, it's figure out of it. Yeah. You're going to use one, aren't you? Boom. Another edition of the Paleox Podcast brought to you, can you guess, by paleohacks.com. Head on over there, check out the forum, the community, and our mouth watering recipes. Always good talking to my friend Samantha. She's really easy to talk to and we have a good time. So if you haven't listened to the previous shows, they should be in the archive. We have a podcast page on paylorhacks.com. Um, so if you go over there to the blog, I think it's like blog.paylorhacks.com and hit podcast, you can find all of our previous episodes. We don't charge for any of them. Some people even put together, you know, uh, packages because um, on iTunes, if you go over 50, I think they don't show them anymore. And so some people will take their archives and sell them, but we don't even do that. They're, they're over there for free. So you can find every single episode we've been doing for three years. So you can find every single podcast we've done over the past three years for free. If you go over to the podcast page, if you want to get a hold of me, the best place is clarkdanger.com. So I've been talking about that book I put out, the 11 questions to change your life forever. And I put it together because these were the questions I saw coming up over and over and over again with the people I was working one-on-one -on -one with in groups and in myself. These are really the 11 big questions that you ask yourself. Um, so we go over so many of them in that, that book and it's completely free. And it's a workbook so you can write in it if you print it off and everything. Uh, it's how I designed it. You just go over to clarkdanger.com, put in your email, and it'll get sent right to you. That's all I got, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.